Well, good afternoon. It's good to be back with you as we are having another good opportunity to spend with each other and worship to God, now studying a little bit for a few moments from his word. Before we get into that, uh, Kevin in his uh, call to worship uh, made mention of a passage in Matthew chapter 5, and that really gave me a, a good opportunity for a little bit of plug, so I'm going to do that. Um, Every single Monday morning, we here have a podcast that is released pretty early in the morning that John and I do. And those podcasts range from about 15 to 20 minutes. They're not particularly lengthy. And there's a new one released every Monday morning. And not because listening to John and I is what you really want to do to start your week, but certainly a good little study of God's Word for a few minutes can be a good start to your week. And the reason why that Kevin had reminded me is we have just started, last week was the first, is that right? Last week? Last week, I think, was the first one that was uh, released, uh, a series on the Sermon on the Mount. We spent some time already on the Beatitudes, and we'll have some other ones coming out. You can go backwards as far as you want. Right before what just concluded is we did about five or six episodes that centered around what is our theme this trimester of Soldiers of Christ. And we did five or six episodes on that. You can find those all on whatever podcast platform uh, you're looking for. So I'll throw a little plug out for that. And it is a good way to start your week and study of God's Word. Like I said, it's about 15 or 20 minutes we try to sit in that window. So if you can be finding that, subscribe to that. It can be certainly helpful, I believe. Well, let's get into our study. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, there's a passage that, for the most part, a lot of us will be pretty familiar with. The very end of that chapter and Paul's proclamation about Scripture, that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped or may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is a passage that, for the most part, most if not all of us are really familiar with. It is an important passage that teaches important principles. But for a few minutes, I want to spend some time thinking about and taking a look at what the discussion was that led to that proclamation being made. That great statement about Scripture and where it originated from, and the power that it has, what was it that led to this incredible statement being made? It is at the end of a chapter. It is not the only thing in the book. There is lots of things surrounding it, and there was an entire discussion that was leading up to this statement being made. And it is that discussion that I really want to hone in on for a few minutes tonight. Now, that discussion in a lot of ways was primarily about leadership, specifically what kind of leader we're going to be. Not just that, even what kind of people we're going to follow. That we've got to be thinking about those things. We've got to be conscious about the types of people that we are following. And we've got to be conscious about the type of leader that I am going to be. 
And so much like lots of other places in Scripture, Paul, as he's writing to Timothy, establishes a contrast. The very beginning of 2 Timothy chapter 3, he begins talking about those wicked leaders and their intent to not lead people to God, but to lead people away from God or to lead people astray in every way. And there are warnings involved about being careful about those types of people. There are warnings involved about making sure we're not that kind of leader. And in the middle of that chapter, he switches gears to talk about the contrast to that. And it is in those few verses that I want to spend our time. That passage is in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. I want you to remember the beginning of that chapter. Wickedness, wicked leaders, leading people astray, being careful to follow that way. And then by contrast, he adds this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. He says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. When I was looking a bit closer at this and began to really consider this passage as a contrast, specifically a contrast in leadership, what really started to come to the surface, what really became clear are absolutes, characteristics, attributes that every spiritual leader must have. Now for us, on deciding who it is that we will look to for help and direction. It's important to think about that. But for our own life, what kind of leader that we'll want to be. Again, if I were to go around tonight and I would ask each of you individually, each of you individually, and the question would be simple. Are you wanting in this life to be a person who leads wickedly? Or do you want to be a godly leader? Which of those two things do you desire to be? I would garner a guess to say that not close to, but 100% of us would say we want to be a godly leader. I want to be the type of person that leads to godliness, that leads to righteousness. That's the kind of leader that I want to be. And that's good. That's the kind of leader that I want to be. And now the power in a passage like this is we're able to pick out attributes, characteristics that spiritual leaders have to portray, have to have. I have five of them right here in this text that I want us to spend some time in talking about and dealing with. And the first is here at the outset. One attribute of a spiritual leader is having a life that you are willing to be open for others to see. That there is no shame in the way that you live. That you live in a way that if people were to watch you, that would be okay. 
that you wouldn't be bothered to know that your neighbor was watching you or you wouldn't be bothered to know that your coworker was watching you or a family member was watching you or one of the elders was watching you or one of your friends or even a stranger. You would not have any problem with that because your life is one that is open for all to see. Think about what Paul here says. He says, you have carefully followed, he says, my, and then lists a bunch of things out. The New International Version, the NIV, uses the phrase like this, you know all about my, and then the list that follows. You see, the idea here is that the life that Paul was living was a life in which he had nothing to hide from anyone. He had nothing to hide from anyone. Is that the kind of life that you have? That's the kind of life Jesus led. You can hold your finger right here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, but turn over to John chapter 18. Listen to what Jesus says in, in dealing with a question and dealing with uh, you know, the, the high priest, he's talking to him and he's being questioned uh, here to Jesus. And listen to what he says in John chapter 18, beginning in verse 19. He says, the high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Now listen to what Jesus says. He answers in verse 20 of John 18. I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues. And in the temples where the Jews always meet, and in secret, I have said nothing. Now, I want you to think about what he says right here. He says there in verse 21 then, because of that, he says, why do you ask me? Turning it back on them. He says, ask those who heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. You see what Jesus is saying here? He's saying, listen, you can ask me about my disciples. You can ask me about my teaching, but you can ask anyone about that. I'm teaching openly. I'm not hiding anything. I'll go to the synagogues and I'll teach there. I'll go to the temple and I'll teach there. I'll go out in the street and I'll teach there. Everybody knows what it is that I'm teaching because I'm not hiding anything. I don't have any reason to hide. I'm not ashamed in any way of what it is that's coming out of my mouth. And so you have the Apostle Paul in the life that he lives. You have Jesus, most certainly, in the life that he lives, that they're saying, the life that I live, I'm not interested in hiding. I have no need of hiding any of those things. And so for us, the question then becomes, is that the life that I live? Is that the thought that I have? Or are there aspects of my life that I would rather not necessarily be out in the open for all to see? You see, Paul is like, listen, you you take a look at any aspect of my life. I don't have to hide anything. Jesus, you you listen to every word that comes out of my mouth. I'm not hiding anything. That's how it needs to be for us. If we're going to be a spiritual leader, a godly leader, our life has to be a life in which we live with no shame. That there's no shame in the way that I speak. 
in the way that I handle myself. There's no shame in the places that I go or the choices that I make. There is no shame in the things that I wear. Wouldn't make a difference. If anyone were to run up on me or to see me, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in the way that I deal with other people. If you were just to silently follow me around without me knowing it, I would be okay with that. That's the mindset that we would need to be. If you're thinking that if someone were following you around without you knowing, and you instantly think, well, man, maybe they heard me say that. Or maybe it is they saw me deal with that person in that way. Or maybe they saw me go to that place or to do that thing. Or they saw me wear that outfit. I'd rather them not have seen that. If that is a thought that we have in our mind, that's not the thought that a spiritual leader has. You see, the spiritual leader is one that lives a life that is open for all to see. Secondly, a spiritual leader is one that teaches true doctrine. Back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, you have the Apostle Paul saying, you have carefully followed my doctrine, specifically talking about the true faith, the gospel of Christ. We talked this morning, this morning at length about this same topic. I don't feel like I need to spend a lot of time here because we talked a lot about this. Where Paul basically said in every way, I'm not worried about all that everyone else is talking about. I'm talking about Jesus. That's what my focus is. It is that simple kind of teaching that John made reference to this morning. But yet in our culture, we battle against that. Certainly the religious world battles against that. Because what is the religious culture? It's having some of this or a little of this, but we mix it with other things. You know, a little bit of this is good. And if I add a little bit of the Bible to my self-help, or I add a little bit of the Bible to my motivational speaking, or if I add a little bit of the Bible to my own thoughts or my own opinions, or if I add a little bit of the Bible to fit our own culture, if I add a little bit of the Bible into whatever, now suddenly it becomes spiritual. That's not how, that's not how it works. We're not trying to look spiritual or to look religious. We're trying to be spiritual. And what that is, is it's taking this book and it is teaching and preaching this. Nothing more on top of this. Nothing less than this. It is this and this alone. And maybe the world looks at that and says, well, that's elementary, or that's short-sighted, or that's narrow-minded. Well, I mean, call me elementary then, or call me short-sighted, or call me narrow-minded. Fine. A spiritual leader is teaching God's 
law. Nothing more, nothing less than that. We're not interested in tossing in some Bible. We're interested in the Bible. So thirdly, kind of on top of that a little bit, Paul will make the point that a spiritual leader practices what they preach. Back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, you have carefully followed my doctrine, you followed that, my teaching, but you have also followed my manner of life. His teaching was backed up by his living. We all know how important that is. You could just study Paul's life and you can easily see that Paul lived a life where he gave more than he received. He lived a life that he stood for the truth, even when it cost him relationships. In a lot of ways, this goes back to the first point of not being ashamed, allowing our actions to speak as well as our words. That I take this book and I put it into practice. And I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not apologetic for that. And I'm not trying to hide that. He says, you, you take notice. You carefully follow. You watch all you want to watch. And it comes back to that idea of what are we ashamed of? If I have a thought in my mind where people that I come in contact with, I would just rather them not know what my relationship with God really is. It would be so much easier at work. It would be so much easier with my friends. It would be just so much easier at school. It would just be so much easier if they didn't know that I was a Christian. So I'll keep that quiet. I'll keep that a little bit on the down low. That's not what a spiritual leader does. And he doesn't do all of that for this reason. I think maybe most importantly here, the spiritual leader understands their purpose. That their purpose is to glorify God. He talks about it specifically. You, you've carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose. What an interesting word there. I want to build on that a little bit. Look at the book of Acts in Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, there's an interesting conversation that, that Paul is having to the elders in Ephesus. It's an important conversation because I think Paul understands the urgency of this conversation that he's having with them. And he talks about a lot of things, uh, detailing their work and, and what it is they need to be thinking about and paying attention to. But I want you to think about this, about Paul and his purpose. Another great passage we don't have the time to read here. You can make uh, maybe note of it, but Philippians chapter 1 is another great a passage that is specifically about Paul's purpose and what his purpose was all about. But I want you to keep that in your mind, and I want you to think about this passage, and I want you to look for it. I don't think you have to look real hard, because I want you to think about what Paul says and the kind of life that we are to live, 
the kind of purpose that we are to have. Look at Acts 20, beginning of verse 18. He says, when they had come to him, they said to him, you know from the first day, man, I'm doing a John Morgan right there. No, that's right. Man, I'm, I'm, my brain is messed up. Let's pretend none of that even happened. All right, Acts chapter 20, verse 18. You know from the first day that I came to Asia and what manner always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching, the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Now, does this seem like someone who is bothered by the life that he has led? Does this seem like someone who is second-guessing the choices that he has made? It doesn't to me. It seems that here is someone that has their purpose fully out in front of them. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, you get a picture of what this is all about. When he's focused on his purpose to glorify God, it's going to have a huge impact in the way that he trusted or had faith in God to meet his needs. The fact that he was long-suffering, that he had love, that he had perseverance or endurance, your translation may say. You see, he had the ability to stick with it, even when the going gets tough. And that leads us to the final thing on this list, a spiritual leader is willing to suffer. You see, this list that he lays out. You see, Paul, it wasn't asking others to suffer for him. That's not what he was all about. He suffered for Christ. He suffered for others. He put himself on the line. And ultimately, that's what being a leader is all about. Being a leader isn't about asking other people to do the hard things. Asking other people to go into battle. Asking other people to take the spiritual hits. The spiritual leader is willing to suffer. Why are they willing to do that? Because there is no shame. Because their focus, their purpose is put out in front of them. And so I want you for just a moment to be thinking about all of those things, about this incredible contrast that is built for us here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
that brings us really to the end of that chapter. What really is the great separator? What is the great separator between these two types of leaders? Well, the great separator of these two types of leaders is God's word. It is the separator. It is the defining thing. It is what allows us to know the way and to be able to see the differences. In every way, God's word is the great separator. Being able to see it for what it is. And so you have this incredible passage here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. It reminds us about God's word, that it is the holy scriptures, that it is from him, that it is what leads us to salvation, that it is true and dependable, that it is profitable, that it equips us for service. It is the great separator. And the reality that becomes clear, it it is the key to spiritual leadership. It cannot be left behind. Remember, going around the room, you want to, what kind of leader do you want to be? What kind of leader do you want to be? You want to be a spiritual leader? Fathers? Do you want to be a spiritual leader for your family? A spiritual leader for your spouse? For your children? It takes all of the attributes that we've talked about. John made the point this morning, and rightly so. Parenting is hard. Parenting is hard. But parenting is simple. You train your children in the admonition of the Lord. It's pretty simple. So as parents, what kind of shame are we going to have in the way that we parent? What kind of marriages are we going to have? What kind of lives are we going to lead? What kind of person am I going to be at work, at school? What kind of leader do I want to be? You see, if our thought process is, I want to be a spiritual leader, It takes this, and it takes only this. It takes an immersion of this, a hungering for this. If we try to sprinkle in just a a little bit of this, we find ourselves at the beginning of 2 Timothy chapter 3. I don't think any of us want to be there. We want to be here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 10 through 12, like where Paul was. And the only way that we can get there is an understanding of Scripture. Certainly, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17 is an important passage. It tells us where God's Word comes from. It tells us what God's Word does. But in context, it helps me to understand that it is the thing that leads me 
to the kind of leader that I need to be. And so really a great opportunity for us to think about context. A powerful tool in our study of God's word. And for a few minutes tonight, what a great opportunity we had to spend some time in opening up God's word and studying from it together. And I appreciate you so much for listening to studying along with us for a few minutes tonight. Well, Mark is going to lead us in a song of invitation that he has chosen, and it gives us another opportunity, a time that we can be thinking about our relationship with God. And it may be that your relationship with God isn't where it needs to be. Well, hopefully, you're coming to the realization that it is ultimately the only relationship that will make a difference. There are a lot of relationships that we have in this world, a lot of important relationships that we have in this world. But eternally, there is one relationship that matters. It is our relationship with God. And we've been given a great opportunity to think about that very thing. And as we sing this song, I would encourage all of us to consider our relationship with God. And it may be tonight that we can help you with that relationship in some way. If we can, you let us know as we stand and sing. Thank you.